great to be together with you today. Thanks for joining us here at Crossroads here. If you're out in the atrium, if you're watching us online, uh, glad, to, glad to be together. How many of you liked math or like math? How many of you math people in the room? Ooh, there's a lot. Wow. Well, these parents had a son who was doing terrible in math. And so they decided we're going to enroll him in the local Catholic school because they had a great math department. And at the end of the first term, their son's math grades were straight A's. And they thought, this is great, but what happened? So they went and they asked him, son, what, what, what turned the corner for you? He said, well, mom, dad, it was like this. I walked into that classroom for the, the very first day and up on the wall, there was a guy with nails and he was nailed to a plus sign. And I thought this place means business. So math has lots of terms, right? Addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Here's the question. When it comes to your resources, your finances, would you like to see subtraction, division, addition, or multiplication? Tell the person next to you, which one? All right, I'm hearing a resounding what? Yeah, exactly. Well, here's the good news. God is a God of multiplication. God is a God who can multiply. And so I want to ask this question. Would it be all right with you if God multiplied your resources? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to look at a story. Where I'm going to, and today I want to talk about two principles of multiplication. The story's in Luke 9. You can follow along in your, there's message notes in your program. They're on the screens. Here's the story. It's pretty famous. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him, Jesus, and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. Now let me pause for just a second and look at this mathematical number, 5,000. It's 5,000 men. Now, in that culture, that's the way they counted big crowds. They counted families. So let's just do a little math with me here. If every man who was there had a spouse, that would be, now we're to 10,000. And if every family had an average of two kids, which in those days, they actually had four to five, so we're being conservative here. So what would 5,000 times a family of four be? How big's the crowd? Whoa, you guys are on it. To the first service... They were shouting things like 15,000. They're just terrible. So you all are sharp. So when it comes to this math. So remember, when we read this story where it says, we oftentimes we see people, people say Jesus fed 5,000. No, he actually fed 20, 25,000 people or so with five loaves and two fish. Let's continue the story. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Apparently Jesus is a math person too. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So numbers jump out here, like the number 12. Why 12 baskets left over? Well, some people think it's because the region was called the region of the 12. Personally, I think it's because... Jesus wanted every disciple to go home with a big doggy bag. That's what I think. And I don't know if you ever do this, but I like to put myself into the Bible story. 
If I was there, how would I react? What would I be thinking, saying, doing? So we're going to do that together this morning for a little bit with this story out of Luke 9. And so here's the deal. You're on the new Messiah search team, right? And you've got this candidate, Jesus. Oh, and what a resume. I mean, read it. Walk on water, raise the dead, feed people, heal people. I mean, his resume... I mean, you'd think he was God or something. I mean, it read so well. And so here comes this story right now in Luke chapter nine. It's, uh, let's say it's our weekend service. And we have a guest Messiah speaker and we've been promoting it. I mean, we've been tweeting, we've been sending Instagram pictures of Jesus. We've been, we've been uh, sending mass emails, posters, and there is a buzz in the community about this event that's about to happen. It would be like, Oprah or Dave Ramsey or Brene Brown speaking for free at the Bud Center. I mean, everybody would be going there and now it's the day. And you look out, the disciples, everybody, you look out and you go, this is the biggest crowd we have ever, ever had. And it is, it probably, theologians think that this is probably the largest crowd Jesus ever spoke to was this story right here. And so it's phenomenal. I mean, the Everybody's just going, woo, this is awesome. And so you have some great, couple of great worship songs like we would at this service. Let's say it's the 1030 service. And then we introduce the guest Messiah preacher and he gets up to speak. All right? So we're, we're I mean, we're there. This is awesome. And it gets to be 1130 and we're thinking, oh, it's about to wrap up. Oh, Jesus is going to land the plane here. And man, I make his final point. And then it's noon and Jesus is going. And we're going, okay, any, any moment now. And then it's one o'clock. And he's going, and it's two o'clock, and he's going, speaking on. And, and now, if it's football season, we've all missed the first game already. And then it's three o'clock, and then it's four o'clock, and then it's five o'clock, and Jesus is still going. I'm not exaggerating. Look what it says in verse 12. Late in the afternoon. Now, the Greek idea behind this means it's late in the afternoon. That's what this means. And so I want to engage your imaginations a little bit. Let's say the disciples are over here and and you begin to gather. I mean, it's five o'clock and Jesus is still going strong. And all these people are out here and you're thinking, and so you you huddle up with the disciples and you have this little conversation. Whoa, that guy is really good. Yeah, he's really good, but he doesn't know when to shut up. I mean, look at the time. The restaurants are about to close. I mean, this series has been, this is good, but... But we can't get this guy to shut up. And another disciple goes, yeah, he needs to join that support group. What support group? You know, the group for compulsive talkers. What's that? Well, it's called on and on, anon. (laughs) And then one disciple says, I am hungry. I'm so hungry. I mean, we didn't get a snack break. We didn't get a lunch break. Have you seen the lines at the porta potty? I bet you didn't think of that one. And then that one that disciple goes, I'm gonna, if I don't eat soon, I'm gonna die. And another disciple goes, that's it, that's it. Let's tell Jesus the people are hungry. Let's tell him that. He'll have to dismiss the crowd. Let's tell him that the people are hungry. That'll work. So you're the spokesperson, right? Jesus is speaking, that's the inference. You gotta interrupt him and tell him like, okay, Jesus, so... You get up 
Excuse me, Jesus, he's preaching. Excuse me, excuse me, he stops, looks at you. You go, excuse me, I'll just be a minute. I need to talk to our guest speaker here. Hey, Jesus, you know, this, is, this has been really good and all of that. I mean, I, I, I could go all night. I just told John, I could go all night. I mean, you've, you've done an entire six-week series just today. And this is really good and all that, but the people are hungry. The people are, you know, they're getting a little restless. The restaurants are about to close. So, so Jesus, I mean, I could go all night, but, but could you just wrap it up? Now you're Jesus. You're going, okay, so, so um, you, you say the people are hungry. Yeah, Jesus, that's, that's the, it's, it's all about the people. Okay, so you're, you're telling me that the people are hungry, yeah. And, and I see you and your little buddies over there have been talking about this, yeah. So what does Jesus say to them? Something very surprising. It's in verse 13, you can read it. Well then, what does Jesus say? You give them something to eat. You and little buddies are so concerned about the hunger of the people, you feed them. Now you gotta go back and tell your group what just happened. This is not good news. This is what they wanted to hear. So you go back and they go, hey Jesus, they say, hey what happened, what happened? Did you tell them that the people are hungry? Yeah, those are the exact words I told them. Well what did he say, what did he say? He said, oh he said, uh, you, give, you give them something to eat. What, what did he say? He said, you give them something to eat. Oh, us, what? what, what, he expects us to go into town and buy food, we don't have any money. Well, we, this isn't gonna work. This is a disaster. What is the first church down the street gonna say about this? This is a disaster. We send all the people home hungry. And about that time, this is according to the book of Matthew, a little boy walks by with his lunch and the disciples get it from him. The kid had snuck into town and come back and he'd been to Long John Silver's. And he has a two-piece meal with extra rolls. So he has five rolls. And two fish. It's best I could. I said use your imagination. So five rolls and two fish. And they, and they tell, they look at that and they go, this is all we have. And Peter just takes a roll and starts munching it down. And they go, no, stop, Peter, stop, Peter. This is all we have. And the, the other disciple goes, that's it. That's it. Let's tell Jesus, this is all we have. He's going to have to dismiss the crowd because there's no way this little dab is going to feed all those people. Right? Isn't that, isn't that the way it is? Now think about this. Just pause for just a moment. This is you. This is you. It would not make sense to say to Jesus, you could do something with this little bit. It just doesn't make sense. And a lot of times for people, when they think of giving their resources or especially tithing, they go, that doesn't make sense. Giving some of my money away to God is subtraction in their minds. I'm gonna have less at the end. But Jesus goes, hey, listen, trust me. I'm a God of multiplication. Giving our resources, whether it's tithing or offerings over and above, is not subtraction in my world. That's what Jesus is saying. And so you can, you can imagine what happens here. Peter picks up a roll and he goes, I don't know what Jesus is gonna do here. I don't know what he's gonna do. So you, you go back and you tell Jesus 
what you have. So you come to Jesus, excuse me, Jesus, excuse me. Um, so Jesus goes, just a minute, folks. I'll be back in just a second. Yeah, what is it? Well, us and the boys, you know, I, again, this is great, Jesus. You could go on. Uh, but me and the boys, we've been working on that little task you gave us, you know, to like come up with some food to feed the people. She goes, yes. Well, well, we, we, we got some. What do you have? Well, we have two fish and well, well, it's almost five rolls, Lord. Peter ate some, it's almost five rolls. And uh, we were just thinking because there isn't much here that uh, you, know, you could just like go with the previous plan and, and wrap it up. And Jesus goes, so you've, let me get this straight. You've got five loaves and two fish. Well, almost five loaves. I know how Peter can be sometimes. Yes, Lord, it's five loaves and two fish. We got it from a little boy. Peter took it. I didn't take it, but we got it from, Peter took it. He just grabbed it and he tried to eat it some. She goes, so five loaves of two fish is what you have. Yeah. Okay, Jesus says. Have them sit down in groups of 50. Oh, you didn't hear me. Five loaves, two fish, Jesus. Do the math. I have, and I am. Have them sit in groups of 50. What'd he say? He said, had them sit down in groups of 50. And, and, and what's gonna happen? I, I absolutely don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know. What is Jesus, what is he up to here? And they got to thinking, what could he possibly be up to? And one of them said, well, maybe he's gonna do that manna thing from the Old Testament where he's just gonna make this food appear on the ground. You know, like manna, that wafer thing. Maybe that's what he's gonna do and we can just watch that. But another disciple says, wait a minute. I remember a story that I heard in Sunday school, Sabbath school. And it was a story about, it's in 2 Kings 4, it's a story about the great prophet Elisha, where something similar to this happened. Yeah, I'm remembering it now. They had to feed, Elisha had to feed 100 very ravenous hungry men with 20 small loaves, barley loaves. And that was first fruit, barley loaves. And somehow in that setting, there, the 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 bread was multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and all those men were fed and it said, text says there was some left over. God can multiply our little dab into whatever meets the need. And, and they think, well, okay, let's do it. And so we're gonna see God, we wanna see Jesus multiply the bread. And so Peter says, that's a great idea. Let's go do that. So, and, and the idea behind this is people think that, and there are a lot of Christians who believe that this is how the story went, is that, is that uh, all the bread was multiplied in the front of the crowd as Jesus started taking the break in the bread. It just kept going and going and going. But that's not exactly how it happened. I, I imagine it happened like this. So Peter says, I'm gonna have him pray for my role first. Jesus, come here. Here's my bread. Take mine, pray for it first. You pray for it first, because I want to see this happen. And here's exactly what happens. It's in verse 16. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. That means that's the word, he blessed it. And then he broke them. What's the them? The five loaves and the two fish. And he gave them, what's that? The five loaves and the two fish to the disciples to distribute to the people. And so I could see Peter going, here, Jesus, bless mine, bless mine, bless mine. Watch this. You guys watch this. You watch what's going to happen here. 
And so Jesus takes the loaf, the roll, and he holds it up to heaven and he blesses it, right? God, thank you. This is your provision. He breaks it. And then what does it say? He gives them to the disciples. So how many loaves? Cut in half is 10. How many disciples? 12. So 10 get bread. And how many fish? Two get fish. They distribute the fish. This is my imagination here, so go with me. And so, so Peter's standing there, and Jesus hands him back half of a loaf. Jesus goes, Jesus, you need to pray. You need to pray more. You need to pray more. Jesus goes, no, Peter, you don't understand. Once you've given it to me and I bless it, now go give it away. That's where, that's where I can multiply is when you give it away. Just go give it away. Okay. Just, just pray some more. Just pray some more. And, and that's, think about this. You know, that's what a lot of people think is that the miracle happened in the hands of Jesus. But the miracle happens in the hands of disciples when they begin to give it away. And that happens in our own lives as well. It happens when we begin to give it away because God wants, Jesus wants us to experience the miracle. He's used to him. He says, I want you to experience the miracle. Once God, Jesus has blessed it, now go give it away. So Peter, with his half a loaf, walks up to the first group of 50, and he says to the first person, here, take some, don't take much. What would you do? You've got this, it's supposed to feed 50. Take it, just take a little bit, take a little bit, take a little bit, take a little bit. Not that much, you pig, I told you to take a little bit. And he gets clear down to the very last crumb in his hand. And he looks down at the guy and a bead of sweat begins to run down his neck and just keeps pouring and soaks his belt. And just as the guy reaches out to take that last crumb, it grows and it grows. And there's a half a loaf and there's a whole loaf. And Peter says to the guy, okay. He looks at Jesus, you can have a little bit more. And the next person, and it grows, have as much as you want. Have as much as you want. Take as much as you want. The miracle has happened. It's happened. The miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. Once they gave it to Jesus first, and he blessed it, then they can give it away. So here's the two principles of multiplication, and they're real simple. Number one, our resources must first be blessed before they can multiply. Over and over in this series, as we've learned from the scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, that our, the way that our finances are blessed is we bring the first 10% and give them back to God. In fact, the book of Hebrews says when we bring our offerings to the local church, it's as if we're giving them to Jesus. And then he blesses them. He blesses our finances. And I know that there are some people here who take their 10% and they give a little to the church and they give a little to that organization, a little to that organization, but they don't bring the full 10% to the local house of worship. 
And Jesus says, that's not the plan. That's not the plan. What I bless, my plan, my principles, are you bring the first 10% to the house of God. That's where you bring it. Then if you want to give over and above, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I mean, think about this. What if the disciples had not brought their, this lunch to Jesus to be blessed and just started feeding people right here, just divvying it up? How far would that lunch have gone? Like one person or two maybe would have eaten. So it's, we're, we're to bring it to, to Jesus first, first. That's how it happens in the same way. If you give a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, it would be like distributing it before the blessing of God is on it. Because God's principle is to bring it to the church. It doesn't have the blessing of Jesus on it if we don't do that. We don't do that. A couple stories that have happened. I, I, people are telling me constantly stories during this series. I've, it's been wonderful. Yesterday, I got two stories from people yesterday about how God has worked when they bring the full tithe. There was a man in my small group yesterday, came up to me afterwards, because we were doing this in the small group as well. And he said to me, he said, you know, I've, I've, like been giving to the church my whole life. He said, but I've gotten really lax on that whole tithe thing. He said, and during this series, he said, you know what, I've just, so my wife and I decided we're gonna do the whole tithe. So a week and a half ago, they wrote out the check and last weekend, they brought the tithe to the church. He looked at me and he smiled. He said, I have had the most lucrative week in my business that I've had in years. He told me that story yesterday. He told me that story yesterday. He said, I, I knew the truth about this. I just was never really doing it. He said, and then when I did, I thought, this story is about me. This, this God blessing me, he said that. And then last night, we were having dinner with some friends from, from this church. And we had a wonderful evening together and uh, he's been, I had been unemployed for about six months. And so we've been walking through that with him a bit, with their family. And, and uh, right as they were going out the door, uh, the wife says to me, we got a story. I go, what is it? She said, you know, things got tight when her husband got out of work. And she said, we, we were able to support a couple things, but we stopped bringing the tithe to the church. And she said, so a couple weeks into the series, we were talking about this, they decided, you know what, we just need to do this. And so they wrote out the, the check. Two days later, he gets the call for a new job. Two days. She just smiled at me and said, I wish we'd done that a lot sooner. You can't convince me that those are just coincidences. You cannot convince me of that. So principle number one, it has to be blessed before it can multiply. Principle number two, only what is given away can multiply. So the first principle refers to tithing, bringing the first 10% to the local church. Jesus blesses it. Once it's blessed, now we can begin to give over and above. Last week I talked about three levels of giving. Tithes, which... Spiritually speaking, is not giving. It's returning to God what belongs to him. Right, we've learned this from the beginning of the series. The tithe, God puts 100% of our income into our bank accounts and says, return 10% to me. I'm gonna trust you to do that because I want you to trust me to provide for the next 90%. That's how it works. God says, trust me in this. And so when we do that, then we can begin to give over and above. We can give to offerings. We can give to other things. We can give to missionaries, we can, which my wife and I do. We've always brought our tithe here and a lot of times over the tithe here and given to other things. But it frees us up now to be generous, to, be, to offer offerings and, and other things like that. So, so think about it. What if the disciples, after Jesus had blessed it, 
had eaten it themselves, would you have ever seen the multiplication? No, no, no. And there are some Christians who they give the tithe, but that's it. That's it. And they never begin to see God begin to bless when they begin to give over and above of that tithe and be generous when they're able to do that and as God directs them. And that could have happened with the disciples. If they'd eaten it, nothing would have happened. And here's the sad thing, is that when we keep our stuff to ourselves and had the disciples done that, they never would have experienced the power of Jesus, the power of God to multiply what it is after they give it away. And that's part of the challenge of this series. And not just the series, for our whole life is to begin every time we have an opportunity to be generous, to say, God, do you want me to do something here? And if he says yes, and we do it, then we can just sit back and see what God is gonna do and see what he does. There might be financial blessings. Last week I talked about other kinds of blessings besides that. And right now I want you, as you know, we've been using this book, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, pastor in Texas, and the small group materials and the sermons, some of the content of the sermons have come right from him. And uh, as I've been watching him do this teaching, there was a section in one of his sermons that I want you to see. Because it, 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 it shows us how he came to this place in his life where this is the central message of his life. It is. You know Robert Morris, you think, oh, this is the central message of his life. And so I want you to watch him tell a story about what happened to him one day that really helped shape and form and transform his heart and his relationship with God. So let's watch Robert Morris. I said, well, Lord, what do you mean give? He said, I mean give over and above the tithe. That's when you give. And I asked him three very important questions. I said, well, Lord, how will I know when to give? How will I know where to give? And how will I know how much to give? Aren't those important questions? Listen to his very simple answer. Here's what he said. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My people hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And so I said, okay, Lord. So not long after that, I go to speak at a church. Now you have to remember, the only salary that Debbie and I received was when I would go speak in a church and if they would give us an offering. And I said, you don't have to give us anything. So I go to speak for this church, and it's the only speaking engagement I have for the whole month. I only have one engagement that whole month, all right? And it's at a church with about 60 people in attendance. And I go and I speak at that church, and I said, I have no requirements coming. The pastor gets up afterwards. He tells the whole church that. He said, he has has no financial requirements coming. I want us to give an offering, and I want us to give a, a, a good offering. So they count it and then they bring a check to the pastor and we're standing like right here at the front and the pastor brings me this check and he says, look at this, look at this. He said, we've never given this much and he was so excited to be able to do that and I looked down at the amount and the amount was, a, was the exact amount of our monthly budget, exactly. And it had dollars and cents on it. And you have to remember at that time, we also had an office and we had an, uh, an employee, a person that helped me to set up meetings. Because some of the meetings I did were large meetings and were gathered churches together and things like that. And so I looked down and I remember thinking, this is my only meeting for the whole month. You told me not to ask for anything and God, you are so faithful. And while I'm looking at that check and thinking how faithful God is, I kind of glance up and I look over the shoulder of this pastor that's talking to me and I see at the back of the church a missionary that had just spoken right before I spoke, shared a report 
And this voice said to me, give him the offering. And I remember exactly what I thought. I rebuke you, Satan. <laughs> that's, that's not God. That's not God. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. That is not God. I remember, this is funny, I know, but I remember even saying, that's not you. That's not you. I know you, that's not you. You would not do that, God. And the Lord said, give him the offering. The whole offering, give him the offering. And I remember saying to the Lord, again, you just have to know that I talk to the Lord funny and he talks to me funny. I remember I said to the Lord, Lord, you're not thinking clearly. This is the exact amount of our budget. We have no other meetings this month. You know, I, I preached a good message and you got all pumped up and you want to give to a missionary now, Lord of it. But this is, this is, you provided this for us. And the Lord said, give him the offering. Give him the offering. And then I remember the Lord said to me, I told you that I would tell you when to give and where to give and how much to give. And I'm telling you to give right now to that missionary the whole amount. And so the sanctuary was clearing out by now and I endorsed the check when no one was looking, folded it in half and I went to the missionary and said, I'm gonna give you something but don't look at it until after you leave because it was a very large amount. And I said, and um, don't ever tell anyone I did this because I didn't wanna manipulate in any way. I, I have, I believe now I'm supposed to share these testimonies to help other people but back then I didn't share any of these things that I was doing. So I gave him this offering and uh, he, he, you know, said thank you. And then Debbie and I walked outside and there were some couples standing there in the parking lot. And one of the couples said, hey, we're gonna go get some pizza. Do y'all wanna go? And we said, yeah, you know, because we're broke, you know. And so, yeah, <laughs> sure, oh yeah, sure, we love going to eat pizza. So we go eat pizza with them and there are six couples total. So Debbie and I and five other couples. The six guys sat on, if you see this in your mind, sat on one end of the table. The six girls sat on the other end of the table. Debbie's all the way at the end, on that end. I'm at this end, all right? These four guys started talking about something. They got in some conversation about football or something, you know? And then this guy across from me that I had met one time before, just once, I just met him one time. He just leans across the table like this, you know? And so I kind of lean across. I don't know what he's gonna say. And he said to me, how much was the love offering? Just like that. And again, because I'm a numbers person, I knew exactly what it was, and so I told him the number. And remember, it was an offering, not an honorarium. An honorarium is with zeros. It's a round amount, like $250 or $500 or something like that. This was an offering that had, you know, dollars and cents on it. So I told him how much it was. And then this guy says to me, where's the check? like that. And, and I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I got kind of flustered. I didn't know what to say, and I didn't know why this guy was questioning me, and so I just heard myself say, Debbie has it. <laughs> and so, so he says to me, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. So I get up and I walk down where Debbie is and I lean down to her and I said, how's your pizza? Is it good? Okay, good. You know, there's nothing else to say. There's no check. And so I go back and again, I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I don't know why is this guy asking me this? Why is he questioning me? And I didn't want to say in my heart, I didn't want to brag. I didn't want to say, we gave it to a missionary and it's the only meeting we have this month. And I didn't want to say that. And so I just heard myself again. I said, 
it's in the car. And he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? <laughs> I mean, you know so much, pal. I just, I started getting frustrated. Why is this guy grilling me like this? What is, what's going on here? And this guy said to me, who, by the way, is now a member of our church and has verified this, this testimony. This guy said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? I said, yes. I said, how do you know that? I'd only met him one time before. I said, how do you know that? He said, because God told me. And he reached in his pocket and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to the service that night. And I found out later, which I didn't even know, he didn't even attend that church. He just heard I was speaking and God told him, go give him this check. So he writes a check out before he comes. He holds this check out that's made out to our ministry and he holds it up like this. Now listen to me, before God in heaven, and this man has verified this, it was exactly 10 times the amount of the check that I had just getting right down to the penny. Exactly. He said, here. And he's holding the top of it. And I reached out and I took the bottom of it, but he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> and I, I, I realized he, he wants to tell me something. He wants to say something. I now know he wanted to impart something. You do know there's a gift of giving in the body of Christ. There's a gift of giving. That's a spiritual gift. So I'm holding the bottom. He's holding the top. He looked right across the top of the check, right into my eyes, and he said, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. Here's what came into my mind when he let that check go. I, here's what I thought. This is God's money. This is not my money, this is God's money. All of it from now on is God's money. By God's grace, I've had that thought with every check that I've received since then. So there's two main applications from this entire series. I want you to think about this. The first one is this. Whenever we get a resource, and especially from this series, any income, we would have the same response that we just heard from Robert Morris. Whether it uh, appears in an email or however you get paid, it might not be a check. But however we get income, we would look at that number and go, God, this is from you. You are my provider. You are the source of all good things. It says in James 1, every good thing that we have comes down from God as a gift to us and that our hearts would just be so grateful for the resources that God has given us. Whenever we, however they come, might be a bonus or a birthday gift or a check from who knows where, you go, God, this is from you. You've given it to me or us to, to manage it, to share it, to give it, to enjoy it, to tithe it. God entrusted, you entrusted me with this valuable resource. So that would be the first thing that I would hope from this series, from now on, on for the rest of our lives, whenever we get some income, we would just look to God and go, thank you, thank you. And then the second thing we would do is we, our next prayer would say, and God, I wanna honor you with all of what you've given me to do, all 100%. All, I wanna honor you with all 100% of it. What I give, what I use, what I enjoy, what I spend my money on, what I sacrifice for, and especially the tithe. 
to say to God, I'm gonna trust you. This is one of your principles. I'm gonna return the first 10% to you. And I commit, I know, we've said this numerous times through the series, I understand that my life will be far more blessed if I live on 90% than that what God blesses than 100% of what I just figure out on my own steam. That's what we've been saying throughout the whole series. And we've talked about, and, and as I am able to do that and have done that, now I can begin to give offerings and generous offerings and extravagant offerings and painful offerings. And who knows? Someday you might have a story just like that one, just like that one. And we've talked all through the series about the 90-day challenge. There's a card in your program. looks like this. And as your pastor, I want to ask you, if you're a part of Crossroads, take this seriously. I'd ask you, do it. There's no arm twisting here. But I would say, do it. Sign on. Some of the details are on the card that you could sign up online as well. It starts tomorrow. The 90 days starts tomorrow. So we're going, man, jump in, jump in now. And if you're watching online, you can sign up online as well. Jump in and do this. And if you're, you don't really remember the details, it's I commit to bringing the full tithe to Crossroads for the next 90 days. And our promise with you, our sort of expectation is if God doesn't bless your life, we will give you back the uh, money from that 90 days. You come to us, no questions asked, say, hey, my, God didn't bless my life. I want my money back. We'll give it back to you. That's part of the deal. But here's, here's the best part about the whole thing is it's all about the heart. It is, it starts here. We come to God, God, I wanna honor you with my whole life. I trust that you are, we are most, I read a quote, we are most like God when we give. We are most like God when we give because God is a giving, giving God. And, and he wakes up every day. When we wake up every day, God is there saying, I wanna bless your life. Will you let me? Will you follow me? Will you trust me? Would you bow your heads? And as we've done numerous times, just want you to go to God right now and say, God, what do you want me to hear from you? What are you saying to me? I want to be open. Because here's the truth. God wants to bless your life. He wants to fill it with the potency for life. He wants to bring his joy and his goodness and his generosity into every area of our lives. He wants to bless your marriage if you're married. He wants to bless your job hunt if you're hunting for a job. He wants to bless that pain that's in your life. He wants to take away those addictions that are destroying your life. He wants to bless your work. That project that you're working on this week, God says, I'm with you in that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring my power into this, into this project. He wants to bless your children. Some of you are in a difficult place with your kids right now. God's there. He wants to bless your grandkids, your great-grandkids if you're old enough to have those. He wants to bless our church. And he wants to bless our community through us. And I don't know what God's saying to you now, but whatever he's saying, you can trust him to be true to his word. In Jesus' name, amen.